Hi everyone, welcome to the Google Podcast. My name is Rob Watson. I hope you're having a good day. Uh, before we delve into today's episode, I just want to let you know that I am supporting Positive News Magazine with this episode. For those that don't know, Positive News is the magazine for good journalism about good things, so it ties in very well with what I am attempting to do with this podcast. When much of the media is full of doom and gloom, instead Positive News is the first media organisation in the world that is dedicated to quality, independent reporting about what's going right. As a magazine in the movement, they're changing the news for good. And exclusively for my listeners, I have a 20% discount code that you can get for the subscription to the magazine. All you have to do is put DOGOOD20 at checkout and you'll get 20% off your subscription to Positive News Magazine. And for those as well who would love to support this podcast, it's great if you can share these episodes with people. You can subscribe to my channels, whether it's on YouTube or Apple. You can leave a review on Apple. And if you're feeling especially generous, you can also support me on my Patreon page, which enables me to continue to put out episodes like this with inspiring people. So anyway, without further ado, let's get going for today's episode. In today's episode, I am welcoming back spiritual teacher Louise Kay for the third time on the show to hear her um, amazing wisdom that she has on everything that's going on right now, but also just some of the um, what we can all do personally on our lives to kind of uh, awaken to our deeper selves. If anyone's interested in listening to some of the other episodes, episode 26 is the one where we really delved into kind of Louise's history and her journey she's gone on. Last year, we spoke just at the beginning of the pandemic which is episode 43 which was very much to um you know to help people as like, everything got turned upside down so i think it's a perfect time to speak to these when we are hopefully coming to the end of the you know the year-long um, challenges we've faced obviously there's more ahead but but firstly thank you louise for coming back on the show well thanks for inviting me back Rob. it's always a pleasure so I'd love to hear then, what, what would you think would be kind of the biggest lesson we can potentially take from, from the last year? Mm-hmm. I think the greatest opportunity is for us to shift our state of being into a state of allowing most of us, we have this um, constant movement in our system to try to manipulate and direct and control our outer circumstances, how our life goes, um, or even the inner experience, like on the level of emotions, to control which emotions we're feeling, to repress and resist other emotions, to maybe try to manipulate the, the thoughts that we're experiencing and it takes a lot of energy and effort and for the most part this constant effort to control creates um, a a feeling inside of us of of negativity like it's not right life shouldn't be going like this life should be different it's it's too much I can't manage it and it, it generates this narrative inside of us, which causes us to suffer. Now, once we recognize this mechanism, we can choose to let go of it. And that's initially sounds like a 
a scary concept like well let go of directing my life my life will fall apart it's a, I have to do something I have to decide how I want it to be but when we let go and we allow life to flow then what happens is the deeper intelligence of life has a space to to move and flow and dance in harmony with the the whole in a, it's like a unified field of intelligence and this is how nature's functioning all the ecosystems the the waterways the weather systems the the animals live in this natural flow and you can see wherever humans put our hand in the mix and and we try to control it creates some kind of imbalance and chaos you can see how we've started to destroy our own planet by taking as many resources as we can and, and we're affecting negatively the, the ecosystems, the rainforests. So when we let go and we allow life to flow, this intelligence does whatever it needs to do and, and it's benevolent. So it first comes with acceptance. Okay, there's a challenge here. I acknowledge there's a challenge. Now I'm not gonna mentally fight and resist it and say, this shouldn't be happening. Why is this happening? Because that creates this level of stress and suffering. Without that, it, the reality is the same, but there is a deeper peace that's here available to us just by being present and accepting. Okay, it's like this. Now then, when we take action or when we speak, our words and our behaviors arise out of this deeper state of inner peace. So then we're contributing to this intelligent uh, field of harmony rather than contributing more chaos. So this pandemic situation is a huge challenge and a huge opportunity to shift our state of being into the state of allowing. Many people have lost their jobs, they're experiencing financial difficulty. And that, that brings challenges in another way. But it's often through these challenges that we start to look for a deeper meaning in life. Like, what is the purpose of all this? Well, what, why, why am I here? And in this questioning, we start to discover our deeper essence, which is beyond the, the situations and the circumstances of our life and beyond the story of our life and the conceptual idea we have of ourselves and 
it's a it's like a vast infinite ocean of stillness that's incredibly peaceful and we can open to it and access that any moment and it's not dependent on the circumstance or situation of our life so we can be in the middle of the greatest chaos and inside of us we can know this deep peace yeah it's always been a lot this so it, it makes me think about how people are keen to get back to normal you know and there's an element of that where they are again that's an element of controlling how you want something to be and does that impatience for things to go um but you touched on about how you know the way the way we've lived it been living maybe in the past few hundred years has not been in harmony with the planet or ourselves this need and desire to consume and grow and um, own more stuff and be out there chasing after um what really feels like the unattainable dream really you know the idea of that you will be happy at some point in the future like when i've got this i'll be happy when i've got you know but actually we have everything right now and if we can tap into that and be grateful for all the things we already have we have less desire for more stuff and have more gratitude for what's in front of us um and i think because we've all gone through this on some level and um, we spoke briefly before you know we started about wherever we may be some restrictions in place with movement or whatever and we just have to you know we have to kind of allow it and 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 yeah and just take take what is in what is in front of us um so you believe then which i feel that these existential crises that we have on collective individual level will lead to you know greater awakening and potentially what well, it feels like that it will change the course for humanity um i believe for the better i think that better might be a little bit of a while away before we we see it unfold in in our world um but it can be the point where we really begin to question our choices and and what we're doing rather than feeling like you just swept up in the rat race or because that what the neighbors are doing and what car they may have or what trips they do or what their social media accounts look like it can bring up that that energy inside of you of um envy jealousy you know the need to compete um I don't know where I'm going with this I'm just I'm just saying to you as but maybe you've got something to share on on that or something else. Mm. Yeah, it really is a uh, there really is this huge potential in in this crisis, collective crisis for a shift in our consciousness, a shift in our state of being a shift in the way that we're living and 
the potentials there, whether that manifests as reality remains to be seen. I would love to see that. And you can see it in in many ways that there's a global shift happening. But it seems right now that it could go either way, you know, we could very easily go down this path of total self-destruction and I don't know where that would lead to. But the the opportunities here for us, and that's what's important, that we recognize that, that we recognize that many times we feel that our happiness is dependent on the outside circumstances and the things that we have or the achievements that we that we get or our financial success you know we're conditioned from a young age that these are the things that bring happiness basically we're told there's this kind of formula like okay when you get married you you buy a house you get a good job, you get a lot of money, you get a nice car, you get nice vacations, you get the best iPhone. Um, Yeah, then you'll be happy when you have all of these things. And so we, we start seeking, trying to achieve and trying to get and trying to jump through these hoops. And often we will get one of these things, maybe get a house, but when there's a feeling, mm, something's missing still. Uh, okay, I need, I need to get married. Then we, get, we find a partner, we get married. That feeling's still there. It's like this inner void, this, this emptiness. It's something, it's not quite right. And often we can't even put words on it. It's just this underlying feeling of incompleteness or dissatisfaction and we don't want to feel it because it doesn't feel good it it gives us a feeling of unease so unconsciously we try to distract ourselves from that feeling which means we keep busy because when we're busy we don't notice it so we look at our phones or we binge watch tv and Everything's oriented around consumption, consuming, consuming, getting, getting from the outside, food, alcohol, cigarette, drugs, TV, and thinking. We, we, we focus our attention in our mind, thinking, thinking, thinking. And all of this pulls our attention away from the heart center and feeling where that discomfort lies. So when we stop, if we take a moment to stop, and this pandemic situation is kind of forcing us to do that in a way, it's an invitation to stop 
and to just be still and recognize the, the silence and the quietness and shift our attention from doing, 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 getting, consuming to simply being just for one moment. And people listening can try this right now. Just be here just for this moment. And notice that your body's breathing. And already there is a shift there. We become aware that the body's breathing. When we're on our phones and we're thinking, our attention is focused in a different way. We're not present. We're not fully here in this moment. So bring the attention into this moment. And the body's breathing all by itself. And then we become aware of the feeling of the room. And we're just being here without doing anything. We're just being that which is aware in this moment. And we become aware of sounds. Maybe the sound of distant traffic or birds outside. So these things were here before, the, the movement of the breath and the sounds, but it wasn't part of our experience of this moment. We weren't consciously aware of it. We were unconscious there. Because our attention was focused elsewhere. Now, as we shift our focus of attention away from this doing and consuming and focusing externally, and we become more present, then we start to become more and more aware of our inner experience. Well, maybe first thing we notice is that we've been holding our shoulders tight like this. Wow, okay, I can relax that. It's come into our conscious awareness. Maybe we notice we've even been frowning from the stress of all our thinking and, oh wow, can relax the forehead. The body starts to relax when we give it our attention with presence. And as the body relaxes, it starts to open up. And the, the breathing becomes deeper, calmer, and just this has a great impact on our nervous system because it signals to the brain that, okay, I, everything's safe, everything's calm. I'm not in a stressful situation. And the brain recognizes that and then it starts to release different quantities of different hormones. So it releases calming hormones. It doesn't need to re release stress hormones that keep us um, running on adrenaline. Okay, what is the next thing I've got to do? I've got to go here. Now I've got to do this. And our system starts to calm down. Already our experience of the moment is starting to shift. There's the calmness. There's a, a feeling of openness in the body.
at this point, some people might start to realize, wow, my body's exhausted and I hadn't realized because I've been tensing everything up and just like drinking coffee and going, 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 pushing, pushing, pushing. And we start to become more in tune with this deeper intelligence which communicates to us through our body. So when the body's communicating, I'm exhausted, the body needs to rest. And when we listen to that and we take action on that, we start to align with this deeper intelligence, this harmony and this wisdom of life because we're in tune through this vessel to the deeper intelligence. Now, as our physical body begins to open and relax and we become aware of the state of it, <clears throat> excuse me, the more we practice holding our attention in the present moment in this way, we start to become aware of something that's even deeper beyond the physical body, and that's the energy body. So it's often easiest to feel it first in the hands. So people listening now can try this little exercise just to bring your attention into the hands. And just keep your palms face up and just notice if there's any sensation there. It might feel warm or cold. And you might start to notice kind of tingling feeling. It's like a feeling of aliveness. The more you keep your attention there, just feeling it it might start to become more prominent. Well, this is the first step to feeling deeper into the energy body. And we're still aware of the breath and the body breathing. And now our attention can begin to sink deeper into the body and we can become aware of the feeling in the body around the abdomen area, the chest, the throat. Now at this point, many people start to recognize that this feels a little bit uncomfortable. Um, that's a good thing. And usually in that moment, there's 
a movement to resist, to go back to numbing ourselves, to, to not feel this inner discomfort, to go back to thinking, thinking, and doing. But if in that moment you can just stay with that discomfort, and instead of moving away from it, move your attention closer to it, and gently open up to it and just feel it. Like you're curious about it. What is this feeling? Okay, where do I feel this in the body? And what does it feel like? And just stay present with it. Just be with it. Then we start to sink deeper. And this is acceptance. This is accepting and allowing the sensations and the emotions in the body. And it takes us into this deeper underlying peacefulness where we give up trying to fight, trying to resist, trying to control, trying to manipulate, and we just be. And it starts to feel quite enjoyable, just to feel this inner field of aliveness. And we start to notice this background, peacefulness. It's a bit like letting go, falling into this ocean of stillness that just holds us. It's, it's a relief because for the most part, we're spending our day trying to achieve so that we're good enough. Or when we're relating with people, trying to behave a certain way so that they'll like us or they'll accept us or they won't reject us or so that we're perceived as being good or cool and all of that takes our effort and this is a dropping back to our most natural state which is pure being now this is a state of not thinking it's beyond thought and we start to recognize that, wow, there is this constant stream of mental chatter happening. We become aware of it. Before, when we were not present in the moment and we were in that movement of doing and consuming, our attention was totally identified with this mental stream of thought. And we believed that that's me. Now from here, as we become aware of that stream of thought, there's more spaciousness and we're able to observe the thoughts that are arising and then disappearing. And this is the moment when there's an opportunity to inquire into our 
deeper true self. Because if the thoughts are coming and going, the thoughts are not me. They're just a phenomenon, just like the birds are coming and going through the sky or the cars are coming and going on the road. But something's aware of those thoughts. And then we can inquire who or what is it exactly that's aware? And for those listening, you can do this inquiry right now. Just have a look. What is the nature of that which is aware? Is it separate from you in any way? What is it that's aware of the thoughts? That which is aware of the thoughts is not a thought. The thoughts are the objects that are arising in awareness, but what is the subject that is knowing the thoughts? So we can say, it's me, I, I know the thoughts. But this me is a deeper me than what is usually referred to when we talk about myself. Usually when we say me, what we're referring to is a conceptual idea we have about ourselves, And it's usually either positive or negative. It's all the beliefs that we have and the it's like a mental construct of me and it can change all the time so it's not really who we are this is our deeper essence to know our true self as this pure awareness very much enjoyed that what i find as well about that is and that technique is regardless of your say circumstances whether you have a busy house or you are you know living on your own or however it is that you can take those moments in each day could be when you first get into bed at night or when you first wake up just to become aware of that space to tune into the into the body rather than just getting straight out of bed or going for your phone. It seems, I think it's about 70% of people, first thing they do is grab for the phone. But if we can just take that space for five minutes, because I know for me at the moment, um, most people know I've become a father since we last spoke and she, and I used to have much more of a, a routine spiritual practice. Um, you know, I'd meditate twice a day. I would give myself 30 minutes each time. Now, I've not been able to do that for the past six months. 
because all of a sudden I have, um, you know, this ball of light, this joy in my life, um, which requires my attention. But what I do have for me is if I take her for a walk with me, I can have those moments of doing what you say, tuning into my body, becoming aware of the sense sense perception rather than what's running through my mind and what's happening. Um, And I think think that's because sometimes I can think in the past is the thought that can come up in some people's head is it's okay for you. It's easy for you to do that because you have the space, you have the time, you have the lifestyle. I don't, you know, I'm, some people might be, well, I'm homeschooling children and I'm having to work with my husband and we're both at the end, one, one's at the end of the kitchen table, the other one's at the other end and we've got kids screaming. But what you're talking about, there's, there's always that opportunity to, to tune into that presence. And one thing I find is when you give that awareness and even when I was following along with all of that, when you give that awareness to the body, the body really enjoys it. Mm-hmm. The body is so grateful that you are turning on it, turning within. And it, it kind of lights up. It's almost that's what I think is when I feel the tingling, the energy, it feels in some ways it's the body. It's like, you know, saying thank you um, for bringing yourself back to me. And that's where the you know the real healing and release can come from and the and the real I use the term bliss in life and when you have those feelings this you don't really want for anything as we were talking before this consumerism the way that the ego works the mind and when you have go turn it away you realize you've got everything you you've got it there within you and it's free it's abundance and always available. You do not have to go on some fancy holiday to think that you're going to find some kind of peace and connection. They can be lovely. I still enjoy those things. Um, it's nice to change your surroundings. Um, but to know it's there, that's when I remember when I first started meditation, I was like, wow, this is no matter where I am, I've got this gift. And I don't need to pay anyone or ask for anyone other than just turn that that within for me. Um, And something that's become more aware for me recently is I've just finished reading the book, Yogananda's autobiography of a yogi. And his guru's guru, which I won't even pretend to try and do his name. um, um, I know the one above, which is Babaji, and then below it, um, I, I don't know. You might you might know the name. <laughs> um, he uses this term as a householder, and mm. often there can be. And I know in myself, I've had this urge to maybe go off and be in an ashram for months on end in India, or to go on thirty day silent retreats and 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 do all this work, this spiritual work, and. And it's, it came at the right time, you hearing about this householder term with me becoming a father and having what considers normal, well, yeah, an ele- you know, a mortgage, um, a wife, uh, a career. And there can be that urge to maybe kind of want to leave it all behind 
and run away from it. But when I heard this term of being a household, and I think, yeah, it's amazing if people can take that opportunity to go on retreats and to take that time. Um, but maybe the true transformation that will come for the world is when, um, you know, we, we adopt the things that you're talking about in the everyday, regardless of your situations. And in many ways, maybe there's, there's even more transformational growth in some ways in that because some people are in really tough situations now. And if you can find that place within and awaken within that space, wow, what a, what a transformation and what a journey for your soul and what growth that is. Um, to be able to do that, be able to all. Um, one thing that you mentioned, which I'd like to touch on with me becoming a father and also with, um, I've always been quite passionate about children and education. Um, what would you say or suggest that would be a doorway um, to help children? Um, I know they already are, you know, um, you know, you see how playful they are, how much joy they are, how much in the present moment. But I think there's a time if they're in the normal way of living in society around about seven or eight, if they're in the school system and depends how family are, they can get start to get swept up in, you know, the ego and competing and achieving and um, wanting to be right and not wrong and... Um, I think I heard Eckhart Tolle speak recently about some sort of teachings potentially. Um, and I'd just be interested to hear what your thoughts would be on how we can help children as they grow and develop and allow them potentially not to get caught in the same traps that, that some of us have. Mm. I feel it's a really important question, Rob, and I'm really glad that, you're bringing it up and feel it's something that really needs our attention. And one of, one of the most important needs that children have is the need to be unconditionally loved. And what that means is that the child feels that no matter what I'm experiencing, mom or dad or my primary caregivers, they've got my back. They're there for me. And that gives the child inside a, a really deeply, a deep, deep sense of everything's okay and I'm going to be okay. And when a child has that, that foundation that's developed from within them, which is given to them by their environment, in a, when the environment is healthy, the child has the strength to go out into our chaotic world and know that I can cope with this. I'm not going to be overwhelmed. It's not going to be too much for me because they feel strong from within. Now, where this is lacking, and there is a real lack of understanding, to my mind, is 
in the way that we relate to our children when they're experiencing big emotions. So the children learn from a young age that when they're experiencing positive emotions, when they're happy, mom and dad are really happy because every parent wants to see their child happy. That's the, the greatest feeling for the parent. The parents don't want to experience their child when they're upset, when they're angry, when they're depressed, when they're overwhelmed. And in those moments, usually the parent tries to fix the child, tries to change their experience so as not to see them suffer. Because it's painful for the parent to see their child experiencing suffering. Now, these are the key moments where there's the opportunity to give the child the strength to feel what they're feeling, to have that experience and develop this inner invincibility. And it comes with unconditional love, which means however you are, whatever emotion you're experiencing right now, I love you and I'm here. That's all the child needs. It needs the presence of the parent and to have the experience validated. And what that means is simply to reflect back to the child. Oh, sweetheart, I see you're upset right now. I understand, I'm here. The child feels validated. They feel there's nothing wrong with what they're feeling. They feel that they're loved and accepted as they are. And they have the space to learn how to process and feel their emotion in a healthy way. So usually this is not what the child experiences. Um, usually when they express I'm, I'm sad about something, the parent immediately goes into, okay, how can we change this emotion so that you feel happy? Um, why don't you do this? Oh, you should do this. Now on a deeper level, the child is not feeling that their experience is validated. They're, being communicated to, ah, oh, there's something wrong with how I'm feeling. Mom and dad don't like how I'm feeling. I have to find a way to feel differently. Now, what can I do? And that's where we start to move our attention externally, trying to think, to figure it out. How do I have to behave? What is it mom and dad want from me? What do I have to do? They're, they're freaking out right now because I'm having this experience. And that's where it all begins. So, as parents, if we can recognize the moments when our child is experiencing what we would call negative emotion, and in that moment, come to the breath and just follow our own breath and drop into the body and just be, then already the child has space to feel what they're feeling. And then to so first, follow the breath and drop into the body. Second, validate the child's experience. Oh, sweetheart, I see you're upset. Third, let them know I'm here. I'm here, it's okay what you're feeling, I'm here. And fourth, the most difficult part for most parents 
keep quiet. <laughs> just let them feel it and just be there with them, fully present, allowing them to experience the big energy in their body. They might start crying and screaming or shaking their arms. The, the intelligence of their system knows how to process this energy and this emotion. And when we interfere and we tell them you shouldn't be feeling that way, you need to stop this, the child is forced to disconnect from their inner experience and to shove down this energy and this emotion and it becomes repressed in their body, causing problems later in life. So if we just be present and we give them this healthy space of unconditional love to feel whatever they're feeling, the system processes it, the energy releases and the storm passes. Wise words. Um, that's something that I've been, um, particularly step number four of keeping quiet um, is something that I've been cultivating the past few years. I know that one of my things can be to attempt to fix something and feel like I needed to give them an answer for this. And, and this is something I've particularly learned in my relationship is actually no. They just need me to listen to them right now. I just yes. need to be there so they can speak and I don't have to say anything. You know, of course, yeah, validate it. Um, I remember one of the best things that I heard from someone is when I was expressing how I was feeling, just them to say to me, to acknowledge it and say, that must be really tough what you're feeling now. Just, mm. to, just to acknowledge that rather than to say, oh, well, how about do this? This could help you do that. And that's just, you know, an, 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 a band-aid or just to run away from, from how you're feeling. So, yeah, I'd love to think that people will be listening to this can adopt this with, with their own children and just generally in relationships in general. How, yes. how, how we can be um, and just create that space. People talk about holding space for others and that appears for me, that's exactly what it is, that technique that you spoke about to, yes. to hold space. And the more that we're able to hold space for our own inner experience, the greater our capacity to hold space for others. Because usually what happens when another person is feeling overwhelmed in some way, they're feeling a big emotion, then if we have inside of us an unprocessed emotion or energy from the past, usually when we were a child and let's say we wanted to cry, and this, this happens a lot for little boys, they want to cry, and dad has an idea of what it means to be a boy or to be a healthy, good boy. It means to be, to be tough, you know? Don't be a wimp. I don't want my boy to be a wimpy boy. So stop crying, be a big boy, man up, come on. Then the little boy learns, okay, dad doesn't like it when I'm crying and he's withdrawing his love from me. I'm rejected. That's so painful for a child. So they adapt their behavior and disconnect from their authentic expression in order to receive that love that, that is necessary, that nourishes them. So the, the feeling of sadness is then pushed down and there can be a huge mountain 
of sadness inside, which is many, many episodes throughout life of pushing down, repressing, 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 not expressing for fear of rejection or ridicule. So all of that energy is pent up inside and it's, it's like it's a life force and certain things will activate it. Now it could have a, a predominant feel of sadness or for some people it's anger, for some people it's like a heaviness or an anxiousness. It usually has a particular flavor depending on our past experiences. So when another person experiences upset and this energy inside of them is awakened, that frequency then awakens any dormant energies in our own system. And usually we don't want to feel that discomfort inside of those repressed emotions. So our mind interprets the situation that this other person is making me feel like this because we recognize that something's happening here where their system's activating something. And then we feel the compulsion to make them stop behaving or feeling how they're feeling so that I don't have to feel how I'm feeling. Now, when we give up trying to change or fix the other and use the opportunity to hold space internally for ourselves and consciously feel those energies, our system opens up just like in this practice we did earlier where we start to notice where there's tension on the physical level, like maybe our shoulders are like this. This also happens on a deeper energetic level. So our system opens up and then there's space for those energies to diffuse to release from the system. And this is where the healing takes place. Now we have to first meet that inner experience before we can hold space for someone else's experience. So that's why it's really important that we do this practice of presence as much as possible throughout the day. Like when you're sitting at the kitchen table working on your laptop and your partner is at the other end of the table, even then, just to check in, okay, am I consciously aware of my, the breathing of my body right now? And we can be sending an email and present with our breath at the same time. And this cultivates this field of presence inside of us. So it's like we're living a meditation in movement. And every single moment, no matter what we're doing, we can be telling the kids like, okay, you need to do your homework now. But as the words are coming out, we're also present and aware of the breath. We can be making the dinner, chopping the vegetables, peeling the potatoes, and with each movement, we're present and aware of the breath. So it doesn't matter how chaotic and busy life is, this, our attention is focused primarily inwardly. And then when these big emotions rise up, because we've been practicing being present and 
consciously feeling in the body, it's much, much easier not to get taken over by that force of that emotion and energy and just to allow it, just to be with it, just to feel it. Otherwise, what happens is it rises up, it starts to feed into our mind and our mind creates thoughts which are byproduct of that painful emotion. And usually it turns against the ones we love the most. It makes our beloveds into the enemy. And it tells stories which create a sense of separation. And when we're aware of it, we don't pay attention to those stories and we just feel the energy that wants to be felt. And this prevents us from saying things in the moment unconsciously that once they've been said, we can't take it back, it's out there. And often it's very hurtful or it's something we don't really mean. So when we are more present, moment to moment, we're more conscious in the moment and that unconscious activity may be something that we might unconsciously do in the heat of the moment in an overwhelm. We don't actually take the action. We might notice the impulse. Maybe I want to punch the wall or smash something. Oh, this energy is rising up and it's wanting to take over. This is not a good time to take action. Let me just come back to the breath. And then we notice, wow, there's a lot of energy and emotion in the system. Okay, let me just be with it. Let me just be with it. Just breathing, breathing. And that space allows it to diffuse in a healthy way, rather than externalizing it and projecting it onto other people and creating more chaos in the world. And we become part of the healing of humanity, the transformation of humanity. When you um, talk about that, something that comes to mind for me is how, how um, reactive we can be, say on social media, which is, you know, at the moment, but the past year, um, <clears throat> Some people have got pretty strong views on on it, real polarity on on how it is, and it's interesting. I I shared something last week, and it's interesting how some people, in terms of the you know the little things that you can select on Facebook, you can either love it, like it, it can make you cry, it can make you sad, and I kind of got all of that within the comments of it, and it's interesting how. Sometimes my words in some case will make other people happy and others will find it sad. When, when there's such a spectrum of that, it goes for me, it goes to show that um, did I make them feel like that or did they make, or it's them that made themselves feel like that. So did I make them happy? Did I make them sad? It's their own unconscious beliefs, patterns on some way that have triggered something within them. And something that I attempt to do now is when I see something or read something and I see that trigger, I 
there's that difference between reacting and responding. Reacting, it's that instant that you can feel it maybe in your fingers if you were typing. It's like, oh, you know, it's all build up where to respond. For me to respond is to literally actually not to say anything for quite some time and just even leave it a day. And maybe you think, do I even need to say anything? You know, yes. Okay, maybe that's a space when I can maybe say something clearly and express my opinion rather than attempt to change someone else's opinion or change a perspective or something. Because um, I think, again, that's the difference between the ego responding and maybe a deeper part of you responding and something. And I, I don't know, but I think it might have been a post that you wrote maybe on your blog. And it was even from a place that if you want to share something, if you were to take a photo, I often think that with this way social media is, some people might choose to go on a trip to actually share the experience on social media rather than that becomes the driving point. Oh, I'll go there. I'll take a photo. I'll share that on Instagram. I'll put it on Facebook. Look at me rather than enjoying the trip. And that can be the potentially sometimes, I don't want to say the driving motive for it, but there's certainly, a, um, yeah, there's, there's an energy behind that. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you could just maybe um, share some perspective on some of that. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting to look at the underlying phenomena of that, that wanting to do something, to be able to take a selfie, to post it, to get the likes. And where is that behaviour coming from, if, if we really look at it? So when we get the likes it generates a feeling inside of us and it's a feeling that I have value and I have worth. Now, why do we feel a compulsion to post the picture to get those likes to generate that feeling? Because inside of us, there's the opposite of that. There's a feeling of lack of value and lack of worth. And so, we have to seek it externally in order to feel that we're validated. Now, this is really unhealthy for us. And this social media phenomena, in a way, it's like an external projection of the internal ego. And it's magnified externally so that we can become consciously aware of what's happening inside of us so that we can transcend that immaturity and we can mature into more spiritual, healthy human beings and, and maximize our potential and live in unconditional love. So that feeling of lack of worth, if we look at that and we go deeper, what that's born from is the idea that I am this person. It's based on a conceptual identity of me, which comprises my name, my nationality 
my beliefs, whether I'm pro or con this and this, um, whether I think this and this is right or wrong, the things I like, the things I don't like, whether I think I'm a good person or a bad person. All of this person, it's a, it's a, a mind-made identity and it's polarized. So it's either positive or negative or it switches between the two. And sometimes we feel it's positive and sometimes we feel it's negative. Why we're locked in that perspective of duality, we're either happy or we're sad. Life's going great, life's going terrible. And it can't be any other way because the nature of this polarized reality is dualistic. And it's, it's expressed, we see it externally everywhere. We have night and we have day, we have summer, we have winter. We, we have the North Pole, we have the South Pole. Everything's dualistic and that's how it is in this dimension on this reality of Earth right now. But while we're trapped in that dualistic perspective, we're either trying to resist and push away the negative or we're trying to achieve and get and hold on to the positive. And it keeps us in this state of striving and suffering. And we can transcend it by letting go of that conceptual identity. Now, people might hear this and say, let go of the conceptual identity. That, that's who I am. How can I let go of me? But that's the whole problem, believing that that's who I am and seeing that that idea of me is actually just conditioned beliefs that we've taken on throughout life. And when we transcend that, there's a constant peacefulness. So we don't feel this need to say, I'm right, this is the right way, and then somebody else has a polarized idea and they argue against it. If I believe that this, this opinion is who I am, I have to fight for it for my life, because if I'm wrong, it feels like I'm gonna die. And that's what creates these Twitter wars, these, these comments on YouTube where people really become very aggressive and, and even hate the other. It's, it's the very mechanism underlying all of war. One religion against another religion. Our God is the right one, ours is the wrong one. I believe this, I believe this, and I have to fight to the death for it. So once we understand and see this dualistic perspective and how it's playing out and we either go to one polarity or the other, we have a choice not to partake in that and to transcend the whole thing and there's peace. So because we've been buying into that for such a long time, it's charged, it's really charged inside of us, especially around big subjects like uh, vaccinations, like political parties, the right or the left, 
um, mask or no mask. The, the ego mind attaches to one polarity and it says, this is right. And then it wants to strengthen that feeling of me and my belief. And that's where it gets its sense of identity from. While we're identified with that, we, we have to fight for it. So when we start to see, wow, I'm identified with this belief here, then we don't we don't play in the in the wars and the fighting and trying to convince people anymore. Why? It's just creating more stress and aggression and violence and suffering. I can be peaceful. It doesn't mean that I don't have opinions anymore. Yeah, sure, we can have opinions. Oh, this resonates for me. But it's that same energy like you were talking about, like when you respond to something, it's coming from a peaceful place. When it's identified with, it's coming from a charged place. So it, as we become more present in our body, like we were speaking about earlier, we start to recognize when that charge is there, this, I need to fight, and it's an anxiousness. That's telling you something. That's telling you that there's identification with the ego there. And in that moment, not to take action, not to contribute to the external warring, but to be with that feeling and just watch the mind. It starts racing. Yeah, I need to tell them they're wrong. They're, they're, they're so wrong. And it can even become really aggressive because it's fighting for its life to let go of it. Just, oh, let me follow my breath. And we see how we've been creating our own suffering in life. Totally unnecessary. But that ego mind, it feeds on this suffering. It enjoys it, gets a distorted sense of pleasure. So when we, if we feel like we managed to stomp on the other and put them down, ha ha, I won. It feels like this distorted pleasure, like, yes, I got it right. But it's not a true pleasure. It, it comes from actually a feeling of separation, a feeling of disconnect. If we were in tune with ourselves and therefore in tune with the other, we'd feel like, oh, wow, there's pain here. And then we feel that pain inside of ourselves. It doesn't feel good. Or at the other end, somebody stomps on us, puts us down, and we feel like, Oh, wow, our heart feels crushed. We're very sensitive beings, actually. We have sensitive hearts. We all know this feeling. And often when we feel that, then there's a drive. Okay, now I have to fight back. I have to get them. I have to get my revenge. And it's this constant play. So we can just stop playing that game. We can express our opinion. Yeah, for me, it seems like this but it's not got that charge. So it's not identified with. And then maybe my opinion will change. Oh, that's fine if it changes one day. It's not, I'm not defined by my opinions or my beliefs. There's recognition that actually what I am is this deeper awareness, just being. I feel as though that a response was, um, 
is so helpful for me right now because I'm even just seeing some of the triggers for me that um, how I've ident identified. I won't go into the details because, you know, um, but it's it's interesting. It's really interesting um, to create to create that space because they can feel at times. For me, I can feel like there's say a certain injustices that are going on, and a certain, in some ways, a path that maybe is being. Maybe people are being shepherded down, potentially, like a version of reality. And I'm seeing it thinking, that isn't a version of reality that I want to live in. You know, I, I want to, you know what you're talking about more, peace and bliss, joy. And a thing for me, like a big thing for me is around personal freedom. Like I, I like to think the way I go about my life, some of my choices, is to hold this one sentence true is do no harm. You know, do no harm to others. Um, and as long as that is the case, then that element of individual freedom to express and movement around the world um, should be um, accepted. But we're living in this time now where there's a lot of, a lot of potential different things that could play out. So your response for me is a place for me to then truly sit in it now, sit in some of these feelings rather than feeling that charge and that energy come up um, and thinking it has to be directed in a certain way. Actually, no, it can just be uh, felt and allowed to move through. And then once it's passed, if there's a, a, still a desire to share something, an opinion from that place of, of stillness and calm, then those words are going to have a far greater impact and on people. Um, because it's interesting when you read something, it's interesting when I read a book and I know the author and I'm reading, I can literally feel and hear them work. As I'm reading the words on the book, I can hear them speaking them to me. I can potentially feel as well the energy that's gone into it. So if I read a book, like I mentioned, Yogananda's book, I'm, you know, I'm tapping into this, um, what was a living saint on the planet and hearing his, the vibration of his words on the paper. Where if it's the other way and say I am putting on, I don't know, as an example in the UK, the Daily Mail is a, is a newspaper which could get people really hungry and there's a lot of energy in that. You can feel all that. And we have to be a conscious and awareness of what energy we're surrounding ourselves with and what we're absorbing on a daily basis. Um, I'm talking about books. I often think, of, have you got any aspirations to, to write a book, to put your things mm. and things onto, onto paper? I've been asked this question so much recently um, and yeah I'm feeling that I, I'm starting to feel the energy for that building slowly slowly it's it's always been there somewhere in the background and it feels like it's becoming alive there's, there's something wants to express and create in that way and 
as it comes alive, more people are asking for it. So there's an interest for it. And right now I'm feeling at some point I might just take a break from my work and go somewhere in nature. Just be really take some time out and, and give space for that to manifest if it wants to. But I don't know when that will be. The feelings there, maybe it will come. Yeah, it was when I was, I remember when I often um, arrange to do these interviews from them in between a time whether it's a week or two weeks, just as I'm out in nature or wherever, I'm in the shower, I just get these little, oh, this is what I'm going to speak about. Like, mm -hmm. I don't even have to um, really think of the questions. It, they just kind of appear. And one of them that came up a few times was, ask Louise about a book. Ask her if she's going to write a book. I've not actually read before. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's another another nudge from me and many others that will, um, yeah, maybe it's the right time. So um, I kind of think we should um, think about uh, finishing. And I noticed that, you know, since the pandemic, one thing that's, come about it and, and stuff for me as well is like things have moved much more, more online so i know that you're um be nice to, to share now with some people what it, how people can potentially join along on your um online retreats or your weekly or i think it's weekly is it zoom calls that you do with um with people unless you're taking a break to write your book but it'd be interesting um if you want to share how people can maybe connect more with you and the the teachings that you've got yeah um everything's online at the moment and it's wonderful because we, we it's this opportunity this space for people to connect from all over the world that have this shared interest so uh, we come together and it's usually every wednesday and sunday it's uh 8 a.m california time uh 4 p.m London time and we start with a guided meditation so I, I invite people to just become present and follow the breath and feel in the body and drop into this space this deeper space and the more that we consistently practice being in that space the more our system starts to naturally orient itself in that way and then it moves into our daily life it just flows into it we just become more present and there's more peace there's more gentleness there is more unconditional love and much less aggression and violence and projection so after the guided meditation then there's opportunity if anyone has any questions or if they want to explore anything like challenges they're having in their life or to to meet together some emotions or energies and they can can come up on screen and usually we sit together at the end also in, uh, in silence listen to some music and really it's like this beautiful community uh, any everyone's welcome to join and if you just come one time just to check it out it's fine um, it's just by donation so it's open to everyone and um, once a month I do these online intensive weekend retreats which is for people that feel really a deep resonance with these teachings and then they want to dedicate the whole weekend to really diving deeper and and spending the whole weekend immersed in this state of being which is incredibly transformative so next one's 
uh, April 9th to 11th, and, but they're every month. And uh, yeah, everyone's welcome to join. Well, I'd like to think that those that have enjoyed this conversation and the peace that they can get from just you know listening to your words and, and your teachings. I remember, um, I think you might have shared a clip on your YouTube channel, which is anyone who's listening, definitely check out Louise's channel on, on YouTube. She posts um, meditations, clips and stuff. And there was, I think there was a clip from one of the Zoom calls of a lady that was talking about loneliness. Oh, during the COVID been, time. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. And how, like, the deep healing that came from within and the emotions that, you know, she went into a space with some of the things that you've been speaking about on our call today. You're allowed her to tap into where those feelings were really coming from. Um, and the emotional release that came from her, you know, tears, huge, and then it turned into laughter, I think. And what what a beautiful thing to, to release and to experience. So um, if people are listening and you want to, they want that kind of release themselves, then, then maybe these calls are good. But yeah, I think there's that. There's probably, you probably have that every week. Um, but I found that one extremely transformational. Yes. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. that gives people a good sense of how we explore the Zoom meetings if, if they watch the YouTube mm. videos. And that one particularly, it's, it's a good example of what goes on there if people want to get a better sense yeah for sure um well louise as always i um i really enjoy our interactions i find that become just at the right time for me and i also find them to be extremely popular when i share these with people because i think what you're speaking about um it's the right time now for um more than just people that might be attracted to going to India on some retreat for a few weeks. It's getting to the point now where there's um, where I thought it may be potentially going to be re reaching critical mass at some point. You know, if people really are seeking this information, this to awaken, to to let go of, yeah all the stuff that we've spoken about. So I really honour you and I'm grateful for you being here and talking with me and, and doing everything that you do. So I really appreciate it. Thank you, Louise. Oh, thanks, Rob. It's, it's really a pleasure to talk to you and maybe we'll do a fourth one in a year or so. I I definitely, I, I definitely signed up for that. Um, and who knows, you might be able to do another one in person at some point. Yeah, mm, yeah. That'd be nice. That'd be great. Yeah, thanks again. It's been great talking to you, as always. There is my um, conversation with Louise all, um, all wrapped up for today. As always, I find her message, her teachings, her wisdom to be so beneficial for me in my life, um, so important for me to um, help me remember. I think sometimes all of us, we can go a little bit off track or we can get into the teachings at times and we can really feel and absorb them for a period in our life that could be days weeks or even months or years but then occasionally you can feel like you can fall um fall go fall by the wayside and um, this really helped me so if anyone has enjoyed this uh, episode today please share it with a friend um you can subscribe to more episodes on my website so you can sign up to newsletter so you can always never miss an episode you can also listen to it of course on all the platforms and if you like you can 
leave a review on Apple, which helps to spread the message a bit more of this. And if you're feeling extremely generous, you can become a member of my Patreon page for as little as the price of a cup of coffee each month. You can help to support me and my work and what I'm doing to continue to have guests like this, like Louise and many others on the show and hope it continues for many more years. Well, anyone have, well, anyway, everyone, um, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And until next time, have a good one.